If you have your Bibles, you turn to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And um, if you'd like to have a prayer card, you can get a prayer card back there um, after the service. If you have any more questions, you can talk to me after the service, and I'll be sure, I'll be glad to uh, answer any of your questions. If I don't know them, I'll get Brother Harvey, he'll, he'll answer. Amen. Before I go any further, though, I'd like to pray and ask the Lord to bless. Dear me, Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for the day, and thank you for for your many blessings, God, you've been so good to us. And Lord, it's good to stand here, Lord, but unworthy am I. God, give me liberty. Give me the very words to say. God, I can do nothing without you. For God, you're precious. God, uh, you have called us. God, you've called every believer to go out and blow the trumpet and sound the warning and warn the wicked to flee from their ways. And Lord, run to the city of refuge. But oh God, help us this day, I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35, uh, this uh, portion of Scripture here tells us how Jesus Christ preached the gospel. Have you ever wondered how Jesus Christ went about preaching the gospel? Jesus Christ lived some 2,000 years ago. He came to this old world and and he died. Well, he didn't die, he was crucified on an old rugged cross. He was taken down. And he was buried in the tomb. And praise the Lord, on the third day, he rose again. Rose from the dead. And lives on high forevermore. And he makes intercessions for me and you. And uh, he's our mediator, Jesus Christ. Uh, It's not Mary. And it's not the Pope. But it's Jesus Christ. He's the one that died. He's the Son of God. He was God. But uh, Jesus Christ probably lived around about 33 years. But he began to preach. And we want to see a little bit of how Jesus Christ preached in this portion of Scripture. And how we can, uh, how we can follow his example in the year 2004. We want to reach more in the 2004. And this portion of Scripture says that how Jesus Christ went into the villages and the cities. And then he seen the multitudes. Oftentimes they would gather together. And they would hear, want to hear, who is this man called Jesus? They would say, and you know, they had a kind of an empty void in their soul. And they were looking for something. So they'd all, oftentimes they would meet out and go out in the desert place. And I believe this is one of those places. And Jesus looked upon them and he seen the multitudes. But they want to come and hear, who's this one that's healing the dead, uh, raising the dead, healing the sick? Who is this Jesus? And would come out and they would say, this one speaks with authority. And, uh, you know, I can remember in the Scriptures how they said that Jesus Christ would preach and the, the, the chief priest would want them to come uh, to capture him, Jesus, and bring him to him. And they commanded the chief priest to go out there, or the, the people to go out there and bring Jesus to him. And they came back and empty-handed. And they said, uh, the priest, chief priest said, Why didn't you bring Jesus unto me? And he said, uh, they said like this, they said, uh, no man has ever spoke like this. You go get him. <laughs> you know, he, he spoke with authority. You know why he spoke with authority? Because he was God in the flesh, Jesus Christ. So I tell you, and this is the reason the people would gather together. He had the power, but when he seen him, he moved with compassion. But in verse 35, we want to see how Jesus preached the gospel. 
And Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages, or in the, and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. We can stop right there and look at this. Jesus Christ, number one, Jesus Christ went. Jesus has told his church this day that we are to go. We have a lot of independent Baptist churches that are sitting on the pews uh, doing nothing. They're not going out like Jesus Christ commanded us to. Jesus Christ didn't say, I highly recommend you to go, but he said, I command you to go. And it's, our great, it's a correct commission. God has set this church here to be a beacon and a light in this community. And God has set you here, and also He set you to go out in all the world and preach the gospel. And praise the Lord uh, for your mission's emphasis here and your, uh, your soul winning here. Praise the Lord for that. But you know, you're, I'm often wonder about uh, the other churches that's around about. It's, they're so dead. Well, I tell you, it kind of reminds me, you know, you hear about these churches in, in China. These underground churches would have to meet in secret. We've got a problem here in America. Well, I call it the underground church of America. We never get outside the four walls. We never get outside and do any evangelizing anymore. No public ministry. People are not seeing our faces. Hey, where's the Christians? Oh, we have a hidden underground church of America. But Jesus Christ, we're going to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. I tell you, we need to go. Jesus Christ went. He went to. Will you notice here? That, and Jesus Christ went went to all the cities. Hey, that's Jesus Christ went to all the people. Now, sometimes in Greenville, South Carolina, they want to skip over certain races, and uh, they want to skip over certain kind of people. But I tell you, Jesus Christ died for uh, every man and every woman. It's a whosoever gospel, whether they're white or black, or they're Hispanic. Whatever, God died for them. Jesus Christ died on the cross for them, for them to be saved. And uh, he died for the poor and for the rich. Abraham was rich. Nothing wrong with being rich. Uh, the poor, we not overskip them. A lot of people don't want to have a bus ministry because they might dirty up the walls. Oh, I tell you, what a shame. What a shame. But Jesus Christ went to all, oh, I tell you. Can we not go to the, all the people? And set aside our differences, set aside our prejudice. Oh, I tell you, and preach the gospel. And aren't, you, aren't you glad that Jesus Christ died on the cross for the whole world? We ought to have light stations all around the world. And the pastor was telling me we ought to have a light station over here in Lampasas in, in the temple. It's a blessing. Uh, it going to spread out. Amen. And we do need that because Jesus went to all the people. All around him is where he went. He said he went into the cities. Jesus Christ went into all the people, and he went into the cities. That's the great multitude. Jesus Christ, if he was here, he'd go into clean and Fort Hood. Hey, that's the great multitude. Jesus Christ would go in and evangelize and preach to those. And also said in Jesus went into the villages. And that's the small and hidden away places. Hey, you know what? Uh, Jesus knows about those out here on these back roads. Now down here, I dare one of you to go out in these rural areas. Go as far as you can and reach them. We don't think that anybody's ever been there. 
I challenge you to go out into these villages, these hidden away places. Ask God to give you a place to go. God may call some of you to go into the villages and other across the world where no one's ever carried the gospel. I was uh, minded of going down to Belize. And when I, it's an English-speaking country, and I went down there and went over there, and there was a village there. And uh, we went down the village, there, there trail along the jungle, and there was a, a lady weaving a basket. And I began to tell her about her soul and was she going to spend eternity. You know, she got saved. I tell you, I tell you that. Never seen her again, but you know what? They're out there. I was out in my little town in Greenville, Tennessee, and just outside of it, it's another little community, about 20, 30 houses. And so we went out there one night, soul winning. And uh, the guy that we went to look for wasn't there. But I said, that there's another feller that lives up here. I said, I went to school with his son. He was one of my good friends. But I said, he's a drunkard. I said, he's got a good job. He's got a good house. And he's got a wife and a nice car. But he'd been drinking for about 38, 39 years. So we went up there and knocked on his door. And he came to the door. And he was on the telephone. As he was... Uh, speaking to this person, he recognized me. He said, Lacey. He said, uh, and then he told the person he's on the phone with, he said, I'll call you back. And so he said, come on in. So we go, went in. And he said, uh, he said, Lacey, he said, this is the hardest day in my entire life. He said, I, I was just talking to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. He said, I just realized that I have a drinking problem. So we began to tell him. He said, we said, Mr. Cobble, you don't need 12 steps. What you need is one step. What you need is Jesus Christ. You need to be born again to be saved. And we began to tell him about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for him and how Jesus can set him free from his bondage of sin and his alcohol. You know what? That night he got down on his knees and uh, he asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come in and save his soul. You know what? And then... He got saved that night. Mr. Cobble got saved. He came to the church. got baptized. The next time I seen him, is a, uh, he was out there mowing the churchyard. It was a Methodist churchyard, his neighbors, but we tried to help him. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I seen his wife. It had been eight years ago. I seen his wife in Walmart the other day. I said, how's your husband? He, she said, he's doing pretty good. I said, when's... Uh, I said, that. Has he been drinking? He said, well, about eight years ago. Amen. I tell you what, he got saved. The power of the gospel. He cleaned up your life. He cleaned up my life at the age of 16. Praise the Lord. It's the power. And as these were the word of God, as you put it out, as Brother Harvey was telling, the word of God is sharp and powerful. And any two-edged sword is able to save the soul. We must get it out. And we must ask God to give us a burden to carry it under these cities and to carry it under these villages. Praise God for a mission conference. Praise God for you that see the need of, of lost souls that are dying and going to hell. We need men and women who will stand and carry the gospel around the world. You can reach the world right here from Colleen. I believe that. I tell you, we must go on. 
And Jesus went about on all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues. That's the religious people. Jesus Christ went to the religious. And he preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And I'm not going to be building birdhouses in Mexico. We're going to be preaching. And, uh, you know, uh, what good would it be if I went down there and had Habitat for Humanity? Well, it wouldn't do no good. You know, uh, whenever we, we share the gospel, we need, when we go and minister to people, uh, we need to preach the gospel to them. As the old country preacher said it like this, maybe a little kind of crude, but he said, if you go and feed them and, and uh, you build them a house, you just fatten them up for hell. That's pretty true. That's right. We need to preach the gospel. But I will say this. You can do a ministry that where you can minister to the people and then preach the gospel to them. I think Jesus Christ here, He said He went about healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You minister to them and preach the gospel. They go together. Just like this serviceman center out here, it's a prime example. You're ministering to the people. But that, through that ministry, you're able to preach the gospel to them. It really takes bold. I would, I would say tonight, uh, what's your ministry? What are you doing to try to reach the lost? Now, I'm not here to browbeat or anything like that, but uh, if you don't have a ministry and try to reach people, ask God to give you one. He'll give you one. Just call out. There was a time in my life, I didn't have a ministry. I was a young Christian. I didn't really know what much to do. But I asked God one day to give me a burden for souls. You know what? He allowed me to go over to Russia. The boy came by at work one day and he said, Lacey, he said, would you like to go to Russia with me? And I said, where? <laughs> he said, Russia. A country boy milked 300 cows, you know, uh, every day. And then finally got off the farm and went to a public job. That's what we did in our high school. You know, after we got out of high school, we didn't got a public job. We got, went to work in the factory. But he said, you know, you want to go to Russia. So we go out there and start handing out gospel tracts and never give out gospel tracts, you know. And uh, you're going to get a burden for souls. You know, as, uh, it was missions ever since. Brother Harvey quoted the verse, part of it, my eyes, or it says, my, heart affect, my eyes affected my heart. I believe in Lamentations 3 and 51. It'll affect your heart. So when I seen the mission fail, oh, it stirred my soul. That's the reason it's so good, Pastor Harvey, to take groups to Mexico where they can get a burden for souls and around the world and take them out soaring. And, oh, I tell you, oh, we, we must do that. Well, but do you, do you have a ministry? Uh, Dan Chuax was a mission teacher there at Tabernacle when I went to college. Dan Chuax spent 50, in 1950, he went to the Sahara Desert. And in the Sahara Desert, uh, you know, it's the hottest place in the world. It's the largest a desert in the, in the world. And I tell you, he went out there in the 1950s and his wife cooked on an old wood stove. Well, oh, I tell you. But uh, they were nomads in the, in, the, in the desert there and they would travel back and forth over 2,500 um, 2, people. Or, see, I, was, I, seen, I heard of a documentary, seen something like that on, that there's 25,000 people in Campbells that cross the desert every year there. But he, the, uh, he said he had to have a ministry somehow to reach those. So it be, began to start medical clinics out there along the oasis. And they began to come and get treated. But in order for them to be treated, they had to hear the gospel. Now, they didn't have to get saved because that's between God and man. But they had to hear the gospel. 
And see, you can ministry. And I think of my dear precious mother. I, you know, I wouldn't say this if she was here. But uh, I know she's not perfect. But she has a ministry. Um, she gives. And she's already covered her whole town with the gospel tracts. She's mailed them out. And an invitation to her church. And we have about, we have, uh, about three families in her church. Or back in the East Side Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Or in Greenville, Tennessee. Because of those mail-outs. And one guy got saved in jail. And he was praying, asking God, where should he go to church? You know, he got out of jail and he was praying to God, where should he go to church? And he got one of those letters. Came to church and confessed Christ publicly and said, I want to be baptized. Now he's driving the church bus. It's a ministry. You know, and she's just a nurse's aide. Works in a, a nursing home. She gets $400 just to missions every month. And she's had seven kids and they're all married except me. <laughs> I don't know what it is, Brother Harvey. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, she has a ministry. Everybody needs a ministry. I know everybody can't go out on the street and preach. But you can do something. But God's got something for you. Will you ask and ask God to give you a ministry? Well, I tell you. Verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, this is Jesus. Remember I was telling you how the multitudes gathered out there in the desert? He said, and when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Oh, I tell you, we need to see the multitudes. We need to ask God and beg God, let us see the multitudes. We need to have the compassion as Jesus Christ had. As one time I was, you know, when I, I, I got out of high school and went and worked in a factory for five years. And while I was in that factory, I took my vacation and went to a foreign country to evangelize. After the, one, after the feller came by and asked me if I want to go to Russia, it was, it was evangelism ever since. And, you know, uh, I went to Spain one time, and war is a hard country. Um, I mean, it's like 99.9 Roman Catholic. I mean, they're staunch. They'll wrap barbed wire around their, well, them and, and crawl and, and try to do penance for their sins. But little do they know it's by faith they can be free. For by, uh, by faith they can be set free from the awful bondage of religion. But anyway, uh, we covered this one town called Baetha. It's about 10,000 people and it's real tight cities. We got up on this hill and We've covered door to door. It's about all you can go do there. And we put five gospel tracts and scripture booklets in their doors in Spanish. And, and got up on top of the city and I began to wonder. And I looked across that city. There was not one single Christian in this whole town. Not one charismatic, nothing. Not one single saved person. And I began to wonder how Jesus Christ was moved with compassion and over the multitudes when he seen them. I said, oh, if we only had the compassion that Jesus had. We're trying to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I tell you. It says here that uh, because they were fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Uh, see, Jesus moved upon compassion and He's seen their condition. They had no leader. They had no guide. They had nowhere to turn to. They were seeking for something to fill that empty void in their soul. You know, and... Uh, just like today, they're looking for something to fill that empty void out here. They get involved in drugs. They get involved in, in uh, alcohol. They get involved in 
immoral relationships, adultery, fornication, which, by the way, is still sin. It's sin. They get involved in that. They're just trying to fill that empty void. But what they really need is Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. As Mr. Cobble, what he needed is Jesus. And he found Jesus. What I needed was Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross for me. Now I can call out to God and say, Oh, God. I, I have communion with God and fellowship with God. And it was a time that I knew about God, but I didn't know Him personally. Praise the Lord, I know God personally now. Because I have accepted Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross for me. But these people need Jesus Christ. And I'm often wondering and think about, you know, it's a shame. Down there in Laredo, uh, the young people, they were, I don't know how many, within two weeks, there were seven uh, young people that hanged themselves in Laredo, in the high schools. And they do it at, at school. They're starving for attention. And they did it at school. I tell you, it's awful. And I tell you, then across the river, there's so much violence over there. Uh, there's been over uh, five chief police killed this year, or let's say last year. And over 24 uh, policemen over New Evel Laredo across the border. Over 100 in violence over there, just over there. Well, I tell you, they need Jesus. They don't need the drugs. They don't need the crime. They don't need alcohol. They need Jesus. This world needs Jesus. But all we can do is preach to them. And we can blow the trumpet, sound the warning, and tell them to run to the city of refuge. But they must heed the call themselves. But we must admonish them to repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But they have their own free will. They can either turn or... They can be left outside, standing outside the portals, as this old country preacher used to come down and sing, standing outside the portals. Oh, what an awful picture, standing outside. But here we see that Jesus in verse 37, he begins to talk to the disciples here. And uh, it's not like a, a heart-to-heart talk here. And he says, then he said unto the disciples, the Christian people here, God's people, he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Why are the labors? Why are those one out of, what is it, one every month? Twelve out of a year. I think most of those would probably come from a church like this. You don't find these churches. If you've been on deputation, you know what I'm talking about. You don't find churches like this that are dedicated to pray all night and, and uh, uh, sing and, and want to see uh, revival. You don't see it. They just want to come and go through the motions. You'll not get labors out of a church like that. But at one hour, uh, one a month will probably come from a church like this. But we need some labors. And we need to pray. And verse 38 is the key to revival. Jesus tells his disciples, he says, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would, that he would send forth labor, labors into his harvest. Here's our key. Jesus Christ said, Pray for those. You know, I, I had a brother that wasn't in church, wasn't right with God. I'd tell all the people when I went to these churches to pray for him. You know, he'd been going to church. He got right with God. And I tell you, because of the people's praying. And I really wanted people to pray for him. And I asked. And so Jesus Christ is just not saying words here. Jesus Christ said, pray ye for the harvest. It was really on God's heart 
Jesus Christ's heart here. And he wanted you to pray that laborers would go out into the harvest field. Pray ye. Prayer is the key. All night prayer meeting is what is going to get it. Uh, I'll give you this uh, illustration, and then I'll be finished. And I'm going to turn it back over to the pastor. But you know, uh, Harold B. Seitler was a uh, great man of God. And, but uh, and back in 1947, he was a pastor of Pelham Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And you know, they only had three converts and three, bapti- uh, three baptized in, in 1947. And it, he was disturbed about it, and his congregation was disturbed because he didn't have more souls saved and see more baptized. And he said, uh, <clears throat> we're going to have a prayer meeting. He said, uh, we're going to have a week of prayer. He said, we're not going to have, uh, though, we're not going to have a speaker or a preacher. We're not going to have a, a week-long meeting. We're not going to have any singing. We're not going to have any fellowship. He said, what we're going to do on Monday... We're going to open up the doors back there. And he said, we're going to open it up, 7 o'clock at night. And he said, I want you to come and pray. He said, uh, he said don't talk to nobody, don't, don't fellowship with nobody. You just come in and you pray. When you get done, you get up, you can leave. And so no doubt, some of them begin to pray 15, 20 minutes and leave. And begin to come, and some would pray two hours, and they'd leave. And they said that they put chairs along the altar. And they said, it's the first time they ever prayed in unison. You know, you're out east, you know what I'm talking about. But anyway, they began to pray. And some would pray, and they'd pray. And, uh, but they prayed all week. And praise the Lord. God, at the end of the week, God sent revival. And they prayed for five and a half months, uh, every day and every night. And he said, on, on Sunday night, uh, they'd go out in the cow pasture, and they'd pray and seek God's face. And they'd said, God's presence would get on them. And, God would move, and boy, I tell you, they'd said that shout the victory out there. And God sent revival to that church because of prayer. And souls began to get saved. For five and a half months, they prayed every night. Boy, I tell you, God sent revival there. They went to build, uh, went across town and built Tabernacle, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And now they have a Bible college and a children's home and, and radio station and all of those but it was started out of revival, and souls began to get saved. But it started in prayer, and I'm saying prayer is the key. We must spend time in prayer. And oh, I, I am guilty, I'm guilty, but I need to spend more time in prayer, seeking God's face. And I want to see revival. I want to see souls saved and come to know the Lord. It's my heart's desire. I really believe it is. Soul winning, soul winning, soul winning. Because I think it's the... Heart be to God. God said, He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. In Ezekiel. No pleasure in the death of the wicked. But I tell you, there's coming the judgment day. It's coming an hour. But what about you? Are you going to give your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you're not saved here tonight. Will you not receive the Lord Jesus Christ? You probably searched the world over, looking for something uh, just to be happy, what you really need is Jesus Christ. He'll save your soul, and you go and live eternity in heaven, forever and ever. But if not, you go to a flame in hell, which burns forever and ever and ever. But maybe there's one here tonight that 
Maybe you would like to tell God, I want to go wherever you want me to go. God may leave you here. But will you surrender? What would it matter if you eat in a hundred years? Say, what, what would it matter if you eat steak or bologna? Nothing. But what will matter is what you've done for God. What are you going to do with your life? You're not going to throw it away and live it for yourself or your own pleasures, but, oh, live it for God. Well, I tell you, there's no greater joy in serving God. In the ministry that you've asked God to give you, and He'll give you the desires of your heart, and He will give you what you need. Well, I tell you, where do you stand tonight with God? Will you not do business with God tonight?